Every day of life is special because it's the day the Lord has made. But some days are more special than others, like birthdays, holidays, and holy days. One day tops all others. It should at least arrest our attention. The Bible calls it the day of the Lord. The Lord said through the prophet Joel, Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. The day of the Lord was near in Joel's day. The special intervention of God into the affairs of human history is also near in ours. Are you prepared for the awesome day of the Lord? I'm Ron Jones. And this is something good. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, what exactly is the day of the Lord? When will it take place? What does it mean for those who believe in Christ and those who don't? For answers, Ron takes us to the book of Joel as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stay with us here or drop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Google Podcasts, or, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Joel, the awesome day of the Lord. Well, every day of life is a special, special day. Wouldn't you agree? In part because um, the Lord made it. Psalm chapter 118 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. However, some days we deem as more special than others. I'm thinking of holidays and uh, holy days that are worth the special attention we give to them. Birthdays are special days as well, right? I don't know how you celebrate birthdays in your family. In the Jones family, we have a special red dinner plate. I've mentioned it before. And we pull it out on birthdays and on the outer edges it says, you are special today. Yeah, wouldn't you like to have a birthday in the Jones family? We'll, We'll pull out the red plate. It's a wonderful time. Special days. In America, we celebrate New Year's Day, uh, President's Day, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, uh, Labor Day, Independence Day. Father's Day and Mother's Days are important to us, and we celebrate those, as is Graduation Day. Maybe you've uh, recently celebrated a graduation for your kids or your grandkids, and what a special day that is. Some families celebrate what I uh, understand to be Gotcha Day. That's the day that A child was adopted into the family. What a special day that was. Sunday, of course, is the first day of the week. Wednesday, we call it hump day because it's right smack in the middle of a traditional five-day work week. Speaking of days, you find the word day over and over again, sort of in rhythmic prose in the first chapter of Genesis, the creation story. The Hebrew word yom, which is that word to describe one 24-hour day. 
day. We could go on and on and talk about special days. There is one other day worth mentioning. It should grab our attention. It's found almost a hundred times, or at least a reference to it, in the pages of Holy Scripture, and it's called the Day of the Lord. You say, Pastor, what is the Day of the Lord? I'm glad you asked. Dr. John Walford was uh, a past president of Dallas Theological Seminary. He was the chancellor of the seminary when I worked on my master's degree there many, many years ago. He's also, or was uh, during his lifetime, a Bible prophecy expert. Here's how Dr. Walford described the day of the Lord in Scripture. He says, the day of the Lord is a period of time in which God will deal with wicked men directly and dramatically in fearful judgment. Whew. That'll make you grab onto your seat a little bit. Dr. Walford went on to say, today a man may be a blasphemer of God, a declared atheist. He can denounce God, even teach bad doctrine, and seemingly God does nothing about it. But the day designated in Scripture as the day of the Lord is coming when God will punish sin and he will deal in wrath and in judgment with a Christ-rejecting world. Dr. Walberg concludes by saying, one thing we are sure of, that God in his own way will bring every soul into judgment. What a sobering reality that is. And most of us would rather sing, oh, happy day, right, than talk about the awesome day of the Lord. But that would mean skipping over the Old Testament book of Joel, which is not an option on the ultimate road trip through the Bible because Route 66 takes us through each book of the Bible as it comes in Scripture. And here we are today in the book of Joel. We've been studying the Bible this way because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And uh, today as we learn about the awesome day of the Lord from this Old Testament minor prophet named Joel, well, uh, there's something profitable in this for us. So uh, listen up and, uh, and listen carefully. Of course, the book of Joel is among the minor prophets because it contains only three short chapters. I hope you read it in anticipation of our study this week or you read it quickly this week. It won't take you very long. Uh, Joel delivers a major message about the awesome day of the Lord. Every other reference in the Bible to the day of the Lord goes back to this prophecy that Joel made in about 835 B.C. That's almost 3,000 years ago, and the best scholarship dates Joel around that time, which makes Joel one of the earliest of the Old Testament prophets. The phrase, the day of the Lord, appears five times in the book of Joel. And from Joel's perspective, and I laid this out for you in your notes, in a chart, and it will also appear on the screen here, from Joel's perspective, it refers to the present day of the Lord, something that was happening in his time, the future day of the Lord, which from our perspective is past now, and then the ultimate day of the Lord, which for both Joel and us remains to be future. In that way, the day of the Lord is both historical and eschatological in Scripture. It deals with, with prophecy. It dealt with things in Joel's time that he and the nation of Israel had to deal with. But it also deals with the long, long lens of Bible prophecy all the way to the end of the age. Let's begin with the present day of the Lord and understand uh, this incredible Old Testament book called Joel. 
Joel begins with an alarming message designed to awaken the elders or the leaders of Israel. Something dramatic happened in Joel's time that he believed every generation should talk about. He basically says to the elders, tell your children and your children's children about this. The prophet recalls a recent locust invasion that completely devastated the land. Chapter 1 and verse 4, he says, what the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. You didn't know there were so many different species of locusts, but there are. And they're destructive creatures. And like surges of a military invasion, these locusts during Joel's time swept through the land and ate up and destroyed everything in their path. It was one of those generational natural disasters. Think of people in our time who still talk about Hurricane Katrina. It was 16 years ago that Hurricane Katrina slammed up against the Louisiana coast. Uh, now Hurricane Ida. Ida's in the top 10, they say. But Katrina, oh my, it's just one of those generational disasters. And Joel used this calamitous event to awaken the leaders, to urge the leaders to return to God. If you're into some outlines, chapter one, I, I outlined it this way. It's kind of fun. Chapters two to four, listen up, or rather verses two to four. Listen up. Verses uh, 5 through 7, sober up. Verses 8 through 12, lament. And verses 13 and 14, repent. Listen up, sober up, lament, and repent. What a way to try to get the attention of the leaders in Israel. And then in chapter 1 and verse 15, Joel writes for the very first time about the day of the Lord. He says, Alas, that word alas is a word of warning. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and as destruction from the Almighty it comes. And Joel had in mind this devastating natural disaster that, as you read on in the book, is almost like a a little precursor to the day of the Lord that is coming and to the ultimate day of the Lord that is coming. Now, this was not the first time the Lord used locusts to get the attention of of, of proud and stubborn, disobedient and recalcitrant people. Do you you remember how he tried to get a hold of Pharaoh? Back during the time of Moses and the 10 plagues of Egypt, and one of those plagues were locusts. And he tried to use a locust invasion back then to soften Pharaoh's heart, but you know the story, it didn't work. In fact, unsuccessfully, the Lord went on to use bloody water and frogs and gnats, flies, pestilence, viruses, we might say, boils, hailstorm, three days of darkness, and none of that softened Pharaoh's heart. It wasn't until the tenth and final plague, which was the death of every firstborn child in Egypt, including Pharaoh's son, that Pharaoh's heart softened. And it was after the tenth plague that he freed the Hebrew slaves, but for a time, and then he chased after them, and the whole Red Sea event, and uh, we, we read about that and studied all that in, in the book of Exodus. Well, Joel used the locust invasion in their time to warn the people of impending judgment unless they humbly returned to God. 
Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Look for it online at somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. All scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it, God gave us a lot of scripture. 66 books and more than 600,000 words, and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, to help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's word and see how it all fits together so brilliantly. How every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes. Volume one covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while volume two takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order. And I'd love to send them to you today. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 digital library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year. Why should someone buy The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible? And who did you have in mind when you wrote these literary travel guides through the Old and New Testaments? You know, Brian, your questions make me think of the words of wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12. Of the making of many books, he writes, there is no end. And oh, how true that is. For what it's worth, as a Bible teaching pastor for more than 30 years, the ultimate road trip through the Bible is my way of helping people understand the overall story of Scripture and how all 66 books of the Bible fit together into a unified work of the Holy Spirit. I wrote with all kinds of people in mind, starting with the serious Bible student, even those who teach the Bible. I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But I also wrote for the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible, which we all know is the best-selling book of all time. Brian, you can read The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible from beginning to end like any other book, or place it in your Bible study toolbox. I know that if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word as I am, you will return to the ultimate road trip through the Bible repeatedly. As companions to your personal Bible study, these books will always help you see the big picture before you dive into the details of any book of the Bible. That's why I'll be ordering my own copy, Pastor Ron. 
We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. And you can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours as our way of saying thanks when you make a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. The prophet Joel spoke of a future day of the Lord that has not yet come to pass, but he also warned the nation of Israel about a day of the Lord that would come upon them if they failed to repent of their sin. With the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Joel, the awesome day of the Lord. Here's Dr. Ron Jones. Where were you on September 11th, 2001 has become a question for our generation, right? And we often talk about our lives uh, in relation to that time, what life was like before 9-11, what life was like after 9-11. I remember where I was and where we were living at the time. I was serving my first church. I was just a few years out of seminary. And we were in a West Houston suburb called Katy. And I remember shortly after 9-11, some of us church planters in the area uh, getting together and uh, gathering for a community a prayer event and people flocking to church during that time to pray, to encourage one another, to hope and put their hope in God. You, you couldn't find a seat in most churches at that time. But how short-lived our religious fervor was because in a matter of time we were kind of you know, back to life as it was, the new normal. And many people today are wondering if we've forgotten the lessons of 9-11, even as we approach the 20th anniversary. Joel had hoped that the locust invasion in Israel would be enough to jolt the leaders back to God. And if you get the leaders, you'll, the people will follow, right? But Joel operated... Uh, about 200 years before the Babylonian invasion, which is the, the future day of the Lord that we'll talk about in a moment, future from Joel's perspective. And you know the story. We've been through that story on Route 66. Uh, the northern kingdom eventually didn't listen. They fell to the Assyrians, the, the southern kingdom, Judah, to the Babylonians in uh, 605 B.C. and thereafter. Uh, chapter 2 begins with the sound of a trumpet, and we, we, we transition from uh, the present day of the Lord from Joel's perspective to something that was future to him and to his people. Chapter 2 and verse 1, blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. You know, God uses trumpets throughout his holy word to, to uh uh, sound an alarm and to announce and to warn that something foreboding is about to happen. The trumpet judgments in the book of Revelation, chapters 8 and 9, are a good example of that. The trumpet judgments. Sound the trumpet. Blow the trumpet. Sound the alarm. In Joel's time, the day of the Lord, this now future day of the Lord, was near. And he describes it in chapter 2 and verse 2 as a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Now, as I've studied the book of Joel, 
and interacted with a lot of uh, other scholars and Bible teachers. I think it's best to understand that Joel was anticipating at this time the future invasion of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. This fierce army that would sweep through the nation like a plague of locusts, devastating everything in its path. And when they started coming after Jerusalem in 605 BC and thereafter, you know, it just, it just wiped out the city, destroyed the temple, took the Hebrew people into captivity. Uh, through about chapter 11, or rather verse 11 of chapter 2, Joel pictures this. Now keep in mind, it would be another 200 plus years before the Babylonians would rise to power and become the superpower that they were and the, and the threat to Israel at that time. But through the lens of predictive prophecy, Joel says, beginning in verse 6, like blackness there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before nor will be again after them through the years of all generations. Fire, fire devours before them and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them but behind them a desolate wilderness and nothing escapes them. No wonder Joel was sounding the prophetic alarm, but he's just getting started. He goes on to say, before them peoples are in anguish, all faces grow pale. Like warriors they charge, like soldiers they scale the wall. They march each on his way, they do not swerve from their paths. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. Now here it is. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Verse 11 is the third time Joel uses the phrase, the day of the Lord, and this time he calls it great and very awesome and wonders whether there will be any survivors as the Lord administers his righteous and just judgment on this earth. Now, let's just take a little breath. Breathe deeply here, all right? Uh, before we get to the ultimate day of the Lord, this is a good time to ask whether you have enough room in your theology for the day of the Lord, a day that delivers dramatic and fearful, divine judgment. You see, my experience as a pastor in the 21st century is that I fear that too many of us have a lopsided view of God as he has revealed himself in the pages of Scripture. We love to hear how amazing is his grace and his love and oh, how I love Jesus and he loves me. And we want to sing, oh, happy, happy day. And we skip right over books like this, warnings like this. Our ears are deaf to the trumpet call. And it reminds me of another time in church history where the same was true, but in an opposite way. Back during the dark ages, leading up to the time of the Protestant Reformation, early 1500s. The church... And the message that came from the church and the understanding the people had was of a lopsided deity. This time all about fear and judgment. And keep in mind, at that time, people like you and me, we didn't have copies of the Bible. It was literally chained to the pulpit, locked in a dead language called Latin that nobody could understand. Most people were illiterate at that time. And that was um, advantageous to a corrupt church. 
that kept the people at their will through uh, fearful messages and fire and brimstone kind of messages, but they never heard about God's love and His grace and His mercy, a lopsided view of God. We're living in a different time. We're lopsided in a different way. Just as the Lord gave Israel ample time to repent, so He does for us. He is slow to anger, quick to forgive, and to all who have put their faith in Christ. God will one day restore what the locusts have eaten. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Joel, the awesome day of the Lord. Now, here's Ron with a preview of tomorrow's message. Friend, this Lord is still willing and able to restore what the locust has eaten in our lives. And, and His restoration far exceeds the completeness of the devastation. Everything you think you've lost because of some stubborn, recalcitrant uh, decision that you made in defiance to God, he, he can make up the years and He can make up the difference. And He will. He's just looking for a humble heart that will return to Him. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones explains the beauty of God's forgiveness in part two of his message, Joel, the awesome day of the Lord. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.